Welcome back to the Yellow Box Podcast. This week, we are joined by community pastor Ian Simpkins as we continue our series, More. For more information, please visit us at www.communitychristian.org. And remember, you can always find us on Sundays at the Yellow Box at 9.30 a.m., 11.15 a.m., and 5 p.m. And now also on Monday nights at 6.30 p.m. We hope to see you there. Good morning, community. How are you feeling this morning? Yeah, it is so good to be with you. Welcome, a special welcome to you if you're watching digitally. My name is Ian, and uh, I am so thrilled that you're here. Uh, before we dive in this morning, uh, I want to just address something really briefly. Last week, we talked about this idea of more love, how Jesus came to usher in a way of more love, unlike the world had ever seen. But if you've been on the news at all or on social media at all this last week, uh, you know that the world can sometimes be divided. It can be sometimes a very broken hurting place. And so we together as a family want to remember exactly that, that we're a family, that we're in this together. We want to pray that God would unite us even amidst difficult circumstances. So here's what I want to invite you to do. I want to invite you to stand up wherever you're at in this room. And whether or not you know the people to the right or left of you, I want to invite you to take their hand. Hold their hand. Yeah, like a good old-fashioned kumbaya as a reminder that we belong to each other, that we are a family together, that we're better together than we are apart And we're going to pray to God that he would unify us so that we can be agents of truth and grace and justice wherever we may be. So would you close your eyes, bow your head, and would you pray with me? God, you are one Father, Son, Spirit, living in perfect unity. You created us to share in your communal nature. God, we come to you today confessing that too many times we have not chosen the way of love Lord, help us to follow your way, the way of humility, of understanding, of compassion. God, teach us to love one another as you have loved us. God, we pray for unity. We pray against the tactics of the enemy. May we stand together as one committed to you and your dream for our world. And in the name of Jesus, everybody said, amen, amen. Amen. You can have a seat. So we're diving into week four of our series called More, and I want to start with a question this morning. How many of you, when you were younger, uh, were afraid of the dark? Show of hands. Don't lie. This is church. God sees you. Um, <laughs> okay, so here's, here's the real moment of truth. How many of you are still a little afraid of the dark? <laughs> How many of you, like the darkness of this room right now is pushing it for you? Like that's... Yeah, I totally hear you. Actually, as a kid, uh, I was really afraid of the dark, and my family lived on this really strange corner house, and there was uh, a big, long, scary backyard between our house and the garage where we kept the garbage. And the time would come eventually where my parents would ask me to take the garbage to the garage. And if the sun had set, I would plead with them, please, anything else. I'll clean the toilets, I'll babysit the other, whatever you need. And they would say, no, we need to take the garbage to the garage. And so it would be dark, it'd be spooky, um, but not that dark or spooky because people would still be out like walking their dogs and walking their kids. But I was so afraid that I would take the trash and with my head down the entire trip from the house to the garage, I would just utter psalms to myself. So imagine you're walking by my house and you see like eight-year-old Ian being like, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, like... Not my proudest moment, by far. But I think maybe the scariest, though, the, the most scared that I've ever been in the dark is when uh, our family decided to, to tour a cave. Has anyone ever done a cave tour before? 
Yeah, so it's terrifying because they, they first walk you down, typically these like kind of rickety steps, maybe a, a ladder of some kind, and they bring you deeper and deeper into this cave and they're pointing things out. And then sometimes on some tours, without warning, they'll kill all of the lights, kind of like this. Ooh, right? <laughs> Whoa, somebody's like, cool, right? Now, this isn't quite as dark as it would be in a cave, but it's sort of off-putting, isn't it? Like, it feels a little strange. It feels disoriented. Maybe you're, like, grabbing your wallet or your purse. Like, what, what's going on right now? It can throw us off a little bit. And at this point in the tour, typically the tour guide would start saying things. And then, again, without warning, they'd shine a light, right? <laughs> Those sleeping in the upper sections are really confused right now. What's... <laughs> I've never felt cooler, by the way. Like, <laughs> this is the closest to a Jedi I've ever felt. Um, <laughs> we're just going to tell ghost stories the rest of the Sunday. How about that? No? No. So they would shine a light, though, and they begin pointing out different things in the room. And they'd, they'd identify the different things that are hard to see. And I remember thinking, man, that light is absolutely illuminating. The darkness, even though it was the scariest, most, it was the most profound darkness I'd ever experienced... It didn't stand a chance to that light. Now, a lot of us may not be afraid of physical darkness anymore, but there's darkness in our world, isn't there? There's heartache and sorrow and pain and injustice and corruption. Maybe this morning even you feel like the darkness is closing in and all throughout scripture it identifies the darkness as real, but says over and over again, there is a light that is far stronger. There is a light that is far stronger, and when that light shines, darkness doesn't stand a chance. And that really, that's what this series more is all about. More love, more hope, more joy. That, that isn't the American dream. It, it isn't bigger houses and fancier cars and, and more money. It says there's got to be more than, than what I see with my own eyes. In fact, Jesus himself in John chapter 10 says this. I've come that they may have life and have it to the, what's the word? Full, overflowing, complete, and entirely overwhelming. That's part of what God came to bring in Jesus. Not, not just an existence, but life to the full, even and especially in the midst of dark circumstances. In fact, in just a, a couple of chapters earlier in John chapter 8, Jesus says this. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, this is a, a verse maybe some of you are familiar with, or a metaphor that some of you are familiar with, but there's a whole lot more going on here than meets the eye at first glance. First, uh, Jesus is speaking at a time during what's called the Feast of Tabernacles. It was this Jewish festival, and uh, during this festival, what was typical is they would line the streets with candles as a part of the celebration. So imagine that you're a disciple, you're someone in the crowd, and you're hearing Jesus utter these words about being the light of the world, surrounded by candles, surrounded by a city that is lit up by small lights. He's saying, I am the light. But there's another thing going on here, though, because this, this claim to be light is actually something that most Jews would be very familiar with in prophetic literature, prophetic language from the Old Testament, namely the prophet Isaiah. And he said this about the coming Messiah. He said, the sun will no more be your light by day, nor will the brightness of the moon shine on you, for the Lord will be your everlasting, what's the word? 
light, and your God will be your glory. Jesus is not simply using like a clever metaphor here. He's making a messianic claim. He's claiming to be not a good teacher or not just an interesting person, but the Messiah, the coming Messiah, the one who was foretold. But here's the amazing thing, though. It's, it's one thing for Jesus to make this radical claim. But as Jesus often does, he takes it even a step further. And maybe the best sermon ever preached, Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says this. What's that first word there? You. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand. It gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, saying, in that same way that you don't cover up a light, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So Jesus is saying not simply that he is a light, but that we are as well. He's making a very provocative, very scandalous claim that it isn't just Jesus who shines, but every single one of us. He calls us as Christ followers to shine in dark places. Now, I'll be honest, like this can be really, really uncomfortable for us, right? Like we're, we're fine with like Jesus being the light. Like good for you, Jesus. Way to go. Light up the dark places. And maybe for us, like in our heads, we think, yeah, I want to I want to stand out. I want to make a difference, but like in the socially acceptable ways, right? Like, I, yeah, I want, to, I want to do something in the world, but as long as it doesn't like make me uncomfortable in any way. Maybe a way that we could say it this morning is this. Everyone wants to make a difference, but no one wants to be different. Can anyone resonate with that? I want to make a difference in the world. I want to stand out. I want to be a light in dark places, but to do that often means that we have to stand against the crowd, and that can be really, really uncomfortable. For the most part, it's easier, right, just to go with the flow, to do what everyone else is doing. And in fact, that reminded me uh, of an old Candid Camera episode. Take a look at this. The gentleman in the elevator now is a candid star. These folks who are entering, the man with a white shirt, the lady with a trench coat, and subsequently one other member of our staff will face the rear. And you'll see how this man in the trench coat <laughs> tries to maintain his individuality but little by little he looks at his watch but he's really making an excuse for turning just a little bit more to the wall now we'll try it once again. Here's the candid subject. Here comes the candid camera staff, three of them at least. And uh, this man has apparently been in groups before. Here's a fella with his hat on in the elevator. First he makes a full turn to the rear and Charlie closes the door. A moment later, we'll open the door. Everybody's changed positions. <laughs> now we'll 
see if we can use. Now we'll see if we can use group pressure for some good. Now, in a moment, on Charlie's signal, everybody turns forward. Notice, they take off their hats. And now, do you think we could reverse the procedure? Watch. Uh, man, that guy. Can anyone relate to that? Yeah, even if it's ridiculous, sometimes we will do just what everyone else is doing. In fact, we even see this in nature. I, uh, my friend sent me this video or this photo uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, this duck thinks he's a flamenco. Do you see Some are saying awe, some are laughing at this poor duck. Can you see? Can you see this duck right here? There he is. There he is. You got the flamencos and the, uh, the duck is just trying to blend in. And I was putting these slides together. My, my wife noticed the other duck. Maybe you already see him. This is maybe what some of us would be doing, just like burying our heads like I'm not with him. I don't know him at all. But it's so easy to blend in, isn't it? To stay within our comfort zones. And, I, and I'll be really honest, like I feel this too. Like, pastors are not exempt from this. In fact, just a couple of weeks ago, I, I knew this talk was coming, and I was with some friends, and the, the conversation turned pretty mean towards someone that wasn't there. And I, I, like I felt it coming, and the, the conversation just kind of kept heading in that direction. And I remember, like, like deep in my gut thinking, I should stop this. I, I should say something. And I, I didn't. Like, I'm embarrassed to admit to you that I, I didn't. These were friends. These were strangers. The conversation went to a place that I knew it shouldn't have. I knew I should have jumped in. I should have spoken up. And I didn't. Why? I didn't want to be a light in a dark place right then. I wanted to be comfortable. I wanted to blend in. But I believe that God is more concerned with our character than our comfort. That will sometimes call us to do uncomfortable things. And yet so often... It's easy to sort of just blend in. Why, why do we do this? Why, why is it easier just to go with, the, go with the flow? I think it could be a couple of things. Maybe it's fear, like fear of what others are going to think. Maybe it's we don't want to come across as holier than thou. Or I mean, Honestly, maybe it's we just don't know what to say. The bottom line is this, though. I don't believe that Jesus came, was crucified, was buried, and raised again so that we could all just kind of blend in. So we can play nice. So we can kind of go with the flow. In fact, every utterance of light in dark places seems to imply that darkness will always be around us in some capacity. And we're to look different. When things seem to be crumbling around us or around those we love, when everyone is taking the bait, we're to look different. We're to shine like a light in dark places. In order to shine, we have to actually do something, though. It's a verb, to shine in dark places. In fact, listen to what verse 16 here says. It says, let your light shine before others that they may see your, what does it say? Good deeds. So they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven, which means that this light shining is something that we actually do. It's not just a sentiment that we, like, hold in our hearts. He's saying, let others see the kind of light that you bring to your marriages, to your employment, to how you handle money, to how you treat those who are marginalized or hurting. How you treat others will be that light to them, not for your glory, but that they may see God's glory through you. That people will see the way that you act and say, there's something to that. I don't know what it is, but I'm intrigued in the same way that we're drawn to light. People will be drawn to that way of living. So I, I want to... I want to issue just two quick challenges. The first, the first challenge is this. First challenge is to pray. 
This, this is where it all starts. Are we praying for the people in our lives that we know are in dark places? Our friends, our family, our coworkers. Like, are, are we praying, God, help me to be light in their life? And Jesus doesn't even stop there, by the way. He doesn't just say, hey, your friends, your family, your coworkers. He even says, pray for your enemies. Pray for those who don't want any good for you. The question that a mentor uh, friend of mine asked me years ago that's always kind of resonated is this. He said, have, have I prayed for my enemy half as much as I've criticized them? When you, when you think of that person that's wronged you, that stomps on your last nerve, have I prayed for that person half as much as I've criticized them or complained about them or wished ill upon them? It starts there. It starts with prayer. Now, the second challenge is this. The second challenge is to step out. To, t- to let our prayer move us to action. To actually live differently. Now, there, there are a bunch of ways to do this. There are a bunch of different ways to step out. You could join a team here at the Yellow Box. You could start being generous with your finances. You can give back to your community. In fact, we've made this really, really easy to do. There are two easy ways to begin to step out to be a light in your world. The first is what we call the Contribute Party. Now, the Contribute Party, we mention this every single week. It happens right out in our lobby. It's against the yellow wall. There's a big old Contribute Party banner. Every single week, staff from this team are out there to answer any questions you have, to figure out your skill set, what are you passionate about, what's your availability. I can't encourage you enough. Even if you're just remotely interested, step out. Head to the Contribute Party, ask a question, see if there isn't something that, that isn't perfectly suited for you, your passions, your skill set. But we've made it even easier, in fact. You can text the word contribute to the number 313131. You literally type in the number 313131, the word contribute, and a form will be sent to you. And you can literally fill out whatever it is that you're interested in, whatever your availability is, and someone from our team will get back to you this week. I I can't encourage you enough. If you've been sitting on the sidelines, or you've even been thinking, or maybe you're even thinking right now, I mean, I I really should, it's, it's time for me to step out, to give back, to be a light. Today is your day. Because I've sat in those seats, and it's so easy to say, I'll take care of it tomorrow. Do we? Do we? Do we take care of it tomorrow? I'll get to it next week, next month, when I have more time. I think, I think today is the day that so many of us, God is nudging, he's tapping us on the shoulder. You've been on the sidelines too long. Step up, step out, get involved. Don't let today pass. And, and here's ultimately the point, is that this, this light that we shine, it's not us, it's not about drawing more attention to me and the good things that I do. The the light that we shine is Jesus. It's him shining through us. And another way that we step out is through what we call baptism. Baptism is this outward sign of this inward spiritual reality. It's kind of like a wedding ring, right? Wedding rings don't make you married. They don't even keep you married. But it's this constant reminder of who I belong to, that I've given my life to, when, th- when things are great, when things are rough. Baptism, when we go under the water, we identify with Jesus in his death and burial, but when we come up out of the water, we identify with his resurrection, with the newness of life. And, and today could be that day for you to say yes to Jesus, to say, I'm all in, I'm stepping out, I'm drawing a line in the sand and saying, I'm not going to play on the sidelines anymore. I'm going to be all in. Now, we already have a bunch of people who before today scheduled to be baptized. 
And they're getting ready, and we're going to celebrate with them. In fact, when they're baptized, I don't want us to have like a golf clap moment, okay? We're going to blow the roof off this place. But I also know that there are plenty of us who did not plan today to be baptized that God in this moment right now is nudging you. Maybe you feel like a churning in your stomach. That, I believe, is the Holy Spirit. Maybe you weren't planning on being baptized today, but today, I believe, is your day. And maybe you're thinking, okay, well, how is that possible? I have a couple of questions. Maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking one of these. Maybe you're thinking, what what if I don't have clothes to change into or a towel to dry off with? We got you. I don't know if you noticed, there's a whole team in the lobby with clothes and with towels. There's even like hair dryers. You might look better leaving today than when you came this morning. (laughs) They have everything you could need, everything you could think of. They have right out in the lobby. They would love to connect with you and to baptize you today. Maybe you're thinking this. What if I have family or friends who are not here today that I want to see this? It's a fair question. A couple of things. One, You'll notice that we have cameras set up at both of the baptismals. We have photographers here in person. We're going to invite Kid City and Stucco into the balcony. That's why it's closed off right now, so that they will celebrate with us. In fact, uh, we're in a room full of people with cameras, right? Who's got a smartphone on them right now? Yeah, there's about 600 photographers in this room right now. Take out that phone right now. Take a photo, run to the baptismal. Use, use this hashtag, in fact. Use the hashtag NYBBaptism. Let's blow up social media with stories and images of people making a decision for Jesus to be obedient to baptism. Maybe you're thinking this. Maybe you're thinking I was baptized as a baby. Should I be baptized again? It's a great question. Really, in Scripture, I see two things in particular when it comes to baptism. One, it's always done by immersion. And two, the person always makes the decision for themselves. And I think being baptized as an adult actually affirms the decision that your parents made for you all those years ago. It's actually standing in agreement saying, man, that thing that they wished for me when I was a baby, I'm, I'm walking in obedience today. So if you were baptized before either as a baby or even as a young person, or maybe, maybe today you want to recommit to Jesus, today is your day. Don't let today pass without being baptized. Maybe you're asking this question. Don't I need to have my life all together before I get baptized? Friends, nothing could be further from the truth. Nothing could be further from the truth. Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. Not everyone who had their life together, had their ducks in a row, had crossed all their T's and dotted all their I's. He came and pursued us when we could do nothing for ourselves. You could do nothing to earn his favor or affection. Think about it. You don't clean up to take a shower. You take a shower to clean up. If you're here today and you're thinking, man, I don't, I don't have all the answers, join the club. Today is your day. Don't let today pass. Don't let today pass. Listen to whatever that voice is, that nudging, that churning in your stomach. Maybe today is the day that you draw a line in the sand and you say, I'm all in. I want to be a light in dark places. You know, I, was, I heard a story recently that really challenged the way that I, I thought about this idea of light in dark places. There's a, um, a lighthouse that was off the coast of Norway, and there was a lighthouse keeper and uh, his two kids, and the keeper went to the shore to get food, and while he was gone, this huge storm came up, and he wasn't able to get back to the lighthouse. He wasn't able to get back to the lighthouse to light the lamp and the reflector to send the light over all the water. So the two children, Mary, the older sister, and John, the younger brother, they climbed the narrow stairs to the tower 
And they tried to reach the lamp where the reflector was and they couldn't, they couldn't reach it. So Mary, Mary had an idea. She grabbed this chair. She put this chair here and she stood up on it. And she tried to reach the lamp and she still couldn't reach it. She had an idea. She climbed down and she found an oil lamp. She found an oil lamp and climbed up again on the chair. She said, if I could just point this oil lamp at the reflector, it'll give light for everyone. But she, she still couldn't quite reach. And that's when her younger brother, John, chimed in. He says, I have an idea. So John laid across the chair. He said, climb up on my back. Now try. So John laid across the chair. Mary stood on his back, took that lamp, and was able to reach the reflector. She showed that lamp to the reflector, and it gave light for everyone to see. And she held it there for as long as she could. Her little arms got tired. She switched hands. She looked down to her brother. Is it uncomfortable? John said, of course it's uncomfortable. (laughs) But keep that fire burning. Of course it's uncomfortable. Keep that fire burning. Stepping out will at times be uncomfortable. Giving of our resources will at times be uncomfortable. Getting up out of your rows today and being baptized, it may be uncomfortable. It doesn't mean it's not the right thing to do. The question that I think we all would do well to wrestle with is this How can I keep the light of God burning in the world? Because we're all very aware that there's darkness all around us. Maybe today is the day that you step out, that you join a team, that you're obedient with your time. Maybe today is the day that you begin to be generous with your finances. And maybe today is the day that you exit these rows, you head back to the lobby, and you say, I'm all in. I want to be baptized. Just because it's uncomfortable doesn't mean that it's not the right thing to do. Because Jesus didn't die and raise again for us to blend in, but to be a light in dark places. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for the promise that you are the light of the world, that you go first, that you initiate, that you pursue us, and that you invite us to something way beyond ourselves. God, we believe your word to be good news, but news really is only good if it invades bad spaces. You've called us to be lights, and lights aren't meant to be hidden. They're not meant to be covered. That's not the point. God, but we know that light pierces through the darkness. So whatever darkness is that we're wrestling with God today, whatever thing is churning in our mind that we feel in our gut, whatever act of obedience, whatever thing we need to step out into, God, would you, would you give us the confidence and the courage to do exactly that, God? Help us to be lights in dark places. We pray all of this in the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen.